Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. I'm talking about marriage today, Mark chapter 10. Last Sunday, Jaden and Victoria got married in Mississippi. They're both longtime disciples of Jesus. Let me, let me just say, I'm talking to you about marriage, and I had a Christian recently say to me, you can, we can't do this. Love cannot do a lifetime. This is a guy in the church. And I'm, I'm devastated, you know, I'm like, what? So I want to talk to you. I know what's going on. I've done family law 30 years, all kinds of, all kinds, I've been married 53. And, and it, it is wonderful. But last Sunday, <clears throat> I'm listening to these two wonderful disciples, Jaden and Victoria, recite their vows. And the last one I heard was Jaden say to Victoria, I will die for you. I mean, they were, he was written these vows and this wasn't the usual, you know, vows. But it, but when he said it, I thought, that's pretty strong. You really, but you really mean it. You know why? Because you've already made that vow to Jesus. That's why you mean it. You're already in a, a disciple and apprentice of Jesus. I also thought you've been eating well and training for this for a long time. Spiritual meat and training for years. There's a place in Hebrews where the writer just says, oh, I'm going to quit talking about this because you guys are not up for it. You haven't been eating meat. I can't talk to you about this life anymore. And that is not what's happened here, that he is a disciple. He's been eating meat and training for years. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus calls his disciples to the highest view of marriage ever stated by anyone in the history of humanity. It is, and it has the highest view of the work of God in the work and the highest view of women. He'd already called his disciples to follow him. He is God in the flesh. When you finally get to chapter 10 in Mark, you realize that discipleship's a lot bigger deal than marriage. So today I'm talking about an aspect of discipleship, which is marriage. Something that's had, something to prepare for marriage. You may, you may be married, you may not be married. I want to tell you singleness is wholeness. You don't need to be married to live a full life at all. But it, it's important that we understand what is happening here and that we be eating the truth. Jaden said, I'll die for you because he's been eating Scripture and eating the truth of God. He's not been scanning it. He's not been just reading it. That's the weakest way to learn anything. So, 
He had not been scanning. He's been eating Scripture. He's been eating the kingdom of God, the news of the kingdom, and the truths of the kingdom. Let me just mention several pieces of meat that we are to eat. Number one is that Jesus is the crucified Messiah, Redeemer, and Lord of the world. He reigns and he will reign forever. Announce that when your marriage is going to hell, you think. Announce it. Announce it all the time. Announce the good news when you're nothing but bad news. When everybody around you is bad-mouthing. Announce the kingdom. Announce Jesus Christ is Lord. Number three, I already went through the second one. That's the kingdom of God is here. Believe the good news. It's good news. God doesn't start with how bad you are and then tell you you got a chance at avoiding hell, and then you try to call that good news. That's not good news. The kingdom of God has come, and it will never quit coming. There's, there's almost nothing else to say. We just need to offer the invitation and go on home here. Number three, the Spirit immerses us. This is not just about trying harder. This is not just about noble idealism. I'm not an idealist about marriage, man. I've done family law for 30 years. I'm not an idealist, and I'm not a pessimist. But the Spirit immersing the people of God so that all of us become temples before, during, and after marriage. Number four, he calls us and he called Jaden and Victoria to follow him. Marriage is an apprenticing. Marriage is part of the apprenticing of following Jesus if you're called to marriage. You know, in marriage, in Jesus, if you follow the crucified Christ, the Christ of chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10 of Mark, some people talk to me about Christ and I say, You've done a revision, baby. You're not talking to me about suffering. You're not talking to me about the cross. We kind of made this thing up where it's the power of positive thinking. That's not what this is. This is about following the crucified, cross-bearing Christ. That means agape. The highest love in the world suffers because Jesus and his covenants are worthy of our suffering. Some people, the biggest crisis they have is they don't feel good. There's, I don't, I'm suffering. Hey, why are you suffering? We are called to suffer and there are worth, there are, there are matters worth suffering for. Jesus, truth, my wife, my kids, you are worthy of the sufferings. And I find this out before I ever married. So you don't want to medicate your suffering. You don't want to medicate it. Food, marijuana, get a little up, up my you know prescription. Don't medicate. Joyfully suffer with Christ. I tell you, too, that marriage is a calling and a gift. It's not a commandment. There's no pressure. It's not a commandment. Singleness is wholeness. I want to say it again. Don't panic. You're a whole person right now. Number five, there is no Mr. Right and Mrs. Perfect out there. There's, there's a search party looking for them. They have not found them. In fact, most of us, when we got married, were more like Mr. and Mrs. Wrong. 
but we have the power of the Holy Spirit to be and to become. And that's what changes everything. I mean, all this talk about how the most two perfect people in the world are getting married. I heard that at the rehearsal dinner. It's like, gosh, bless your hearts. That's just spiritual junk food. That's not reality here. But, you know, so I said, you know, Jaden and Victoria, you're not, uh, you know, you're not Mr. And Mrs. Wright. I said that, and their faces fell. And I said, but you have the power to become like Jesus every day of your life. You will grow into a maturity. You won't even remember the stuff you were thinking and believing now. Number six, repent. Do not relocate and reinvent. Most people do that. They relocate and they reinvent and they come in my office and they got a new spin on their life. And I think, does your former wife, does she agree with your spin? We are called to repent in the middle of what we're into now. Not find an escape hatch. We are full of the power to repent. We don't have any marriage problems. But we got a whole bunch of people problems. There are no marriage problems. There's no problem with marriage. Read Mark 10. It looks pretty good. It's really strong. The Son of God is up there, you know, is declaring this and then saying, everything you want to, you, you're going to, I'm calling you to do, I'm going to help you do it. I'm going to pour the Holy Spirit out on you. The hard heart. The hard heart's there. Jesus is talking about it. Man, I want to tell you, I've had a hard heart. I've had a hard heart for 10 years. And one of the ways you know you got a hard heart is when you're confessing your wife's sins all the time. I did that. I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. If you're talking about how bad your wife or husband is, the Holy Spirit is not talking. When the Holy, I found out that when the Holy Spirit zaps you, when gets you, and he got me, I start confessing my sins. My wife starts confessing her sins. And we are renewed. And it, it's like, gosh, this is easy. I just was trying to, to remedy our marriage by confessing her sins. So hard hearts reject Jesus' authority down here in the dirt. We talk the talk, but in the dirt. We reject it. We, we become unteachable. I want to tell you, I'm 79 years old. I've been married 53 years. And I'm in discovery zone all the time. You, you got to be teachable. You can't say, well, my dad did it this way. Just forget that stuff. Or, or so-and-so. Teachable all of the time. Because, because the Lord loves you. Bathe in the good news that you don't have to put, you don't have to impress anybody. You don't have to create a persona. You can say, God, be merciful me, a sinner in my marriage. And he just comes and blesses your socks off. It's not a crisis to say, I did it. I had one guy in the, you know, I, I heard about, I did it, I don't know, 6,000 family law cases. I had one guy say, I did it. Everybody else blamed somebody else. And I wish I'd take a picture of that guy and put it up on the wall somewhere 
and maybe got it in the newspapers and then online. This guy actually said, I did it. I blew it up. So <clears throat> number eight, I think I'm on now. We eat the rebirth of God's people. We are, in, we are immersed in the people of God when we get married, before we're married, after we get married. That's where we plant the marriage, in the garden of the church. Marriage is kingdom business. Therefore, it's the church's business. Island marriages die because of lack of provision. Constantly, it's about forgiveness and reconciliation. That becomes an art form in our houses. It's about exclusion. I don't even want to touch you. I can't talk to you right now. To embrace. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Number nine, kingdom. Jesus talks about how that the kingdom of God is more important than having two good eyes, two good hands. It's, you know, Having it, it's better to lose one of those than to lose the kingdom. Value God's rule. Jim Reynolds does not rule his family. Jesus Christ does. Number 10, there's been, you get saved once. You get converted hundreds of times. Reconverted hundreds of times. Over and over and over. Oh my God, I'm being drawn up into the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 3, he's talking about that. You only get saved once. That should not be the high point of your life. Converting up and into the glory of God, which then teaches us humility. Because every time we are converted, we get lower. And we get more teachable. Finally, the agape we learn to agape God and the neighbor. The greatest commandment is to love God and the neighbor. A, a, a culture that is interested in getting high and getting stoned needs to understand that the greatest reality in the world is outside you, not inside you. That the reality outside me is more significant than the reality inside me. And to love God and love you pulls me out of me. I can't do love toward you if I'm talking to me all the time saying, how you feeling? How you feeling? <laughs> do you need to go do something to change your mood? Do you need it? If I'm focused out there, it changes everything. Jesus is calling us to join, to get into his love school. If, if marriage, if marital love is a falling, then why does Paul command it that you love? He can't command you fall out of a cloud somewhere. It's impossible. He's, he commands us to love because love is a calling that the Holy Spirit does for us. So this is what Jaden and Victoria have been eating. I think a lot of you. So, let me read chapter 10, and I'm going to talk. You can see it's more about discipleship than chapter 10, though this is very important. Chapter 10, verse 1, if you have the Scripture. Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea. This is way in. He's done a whole lot of discipling. 
And he goes across into Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, and as was his custom, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? They were trying to catch him. They knew he, he thought it was not lawful for a man to divorce his wife, so he wanted to catch him. What did Moses command you, Jesus says? They replied, and they had to admit, Moses just permitted a, a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Then Jesus says, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. Jesus replied, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God joined together, let no one separate. That last line left everybody pretty much speechless, and that was the end of it. Let's talk about this for a few minutes. When they were in the house again, he says, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. So Jesus has already escaped the, their effort at trapping him. What he does now is say, and this is important. You don't know about marriage by knowing how you can get out of a marriage. It's not about the permission of Deuteronomy 24. So what Jesus is really saying is, guys, you lost the story. How could we say, slaves be obedient to your masters, to the church, and think that was the word of God for now? Because we don't know what story is. How can we say to women, shut up, don't say anything, because there's a verse in 1 Corinthians 14 that tells women to be quiet. The problem is we don't know the story about women that goes back to Genesis 1. So what Jesus is doing is saying, guys, you don't know what the story is. You've, you've cherry-picked the Bible. So let's go back. Let's go back and see what God's idea was. And let's see who women are and men. And so he goes back. And he says, God created. That's a lot stronger than Moses permitted. What Moses permitted is not the word of God. Never was, never will be. What is the word of God is God created male and female in his image. Co-equal divine image bearers. Highest estimate of women's dignity in the world. I know there's preachers and teachers that are misrepresented that. Jamie's not. He's preaching this. He, he, by the way, you got a wonderful shepherding group here, staff, and a wonderful lead pastor. I'm, I'm there with them all the time. The, what Jesus said here, transform marriage. Because in verse 7, he says, for this reason. Okay. Since we started at the beginning of the story with two divine image bearers, co-equal, then these, the conclusions are very different. A man shall leave his father and mother. That means you honor your wife above your parents, though you still honor them. 
leave you 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 unite with your wife and the two become one flesh he's quoting genesis 2:24 a single flesh i'm i become one flesh with donna it's not just sexual intercourse it's not just it's that it's a deep complex of interweaving pulling us out beyond ourselves to each other and you know what? You become one flesh in marriage because you are different. Not in spite of your differences. That's what he's saying here. You become one. Marriage then, he's saying, if it's created and becomes one, is indivisible and permanent. It is not merely that marriage should not be destroyed. It cannot be destroyed. And you say, well, how could that be? Well, it just is. And you know, the fact that, si that Solomon had 700 wives doesn't change it. He blew it 699 times. <laughs> it did not change Jesus. And we can do all kinds of stuff now, and it doesn't change Jesus. It does not dilute the Word of God. Marriage is lifted from being a contract of convenience to a God-created reality status. Covenant binding, sacramental. I want you to understand that in Judaism, the in Judaism, the man was the Lord of the marriage. In Christ, God is the Lord of the marriage. Therefore, what God joins together, let not you males put asunder. That's the gist of what he's saying in that culture. So he highlights the difference between man and God. This is a sacrament. Every time I've done a, a wedding, I, the more and more doing a wedding, I'm aware that, hey, hey preacher's up there doing, I'm talking a lot. It's the heavenlies moving. The heavenlies are marrying these people. That is astonishing. That the, there is a sacramental intersection of heaven and earth going on here. Covenants binds us. We have three views of marriage in America right now. Covenant, contractual, and choice. And covenant is down there maybe 20%. It's not the majority position anymore. We in the church are called to disciple people into what I'm saying. Don't expect the government to do it. Verse 10. The disciples ask about the statement, what God joined together, let no man tear up. The reason they did that was because in Israel, adultery was not a sin against God, it was a property offense. If you send, a, if you commit adultery with another man's wife, you had, you had harmed his property. It was a property offense. Whereas Jesus says, if you commit adultery, you sin against her. It is a sin against a person. Why? How can that be? Because she's made in the divine image. And we forgot she was. We have a very low view of women. She's co-equal, divine image bearer, made in the divine image, male and female created, he, them. That is transformative for marriage. It still is. See, God owns her, not the man. Adultery is a sin against her, the one flesh that God created. This is unprecedented. Now let me let me just uh, let me help you just for a second here. And I I don't have a phone up here, so I'm going to shut it down here. Keep. I just want to tell you 
This is not legalistic, guys. This is calling us to become truly human beings who keep promises. And, and then the one who calls us to do this is right in the middle of us helping us do it every, all the way. And you may not have the calling, you may not have the gift. It's a high calling. You know, we've lowered the bar on marriage. You know, the high jump, uh, the high jump record in the world right now is like eight feet, one quarter inch. What if they lowered the, the high jump record and said, we're going to change it? The norm's going to be one inch off the ground. Anybody that jumps one inch, they're doing, they're doing wonderfully. And so you jump, you come up and you jump over the bar. It's one inch off the ground. And 100,000 people get up and scream, praise God for you jumping one inch. That's what we're doing in America right now. We got the vertical leap when it comes to marriage of one inch. It's, and it is hurting us. It's, it's warping our minds. See, this is unprecedented. Women are not like a Diet Coke can, no deposit, no return. That's not what this is about. So here, just kind of big picture of what he has said here. He's saying, we lost our moral vision. I want to help you recover it. Let's start at the beginning of the story. Number two, he's saying that the old way of doing marriage and looking at it legalistically is a wineskin that the new wine is bursting. We're in a different time zone now, guys. Hillel and Shammai, the Jewish rabbi, rabbinical schools, they were not in the same time zone as Jesus. Jesus is in the now and not yet of the kingdom. They weren't. We are. This is the word of God now. This word that I'm giving you is a, was given because we are at a unique moment in the history of the world. The time between the time of the coming of the Lord and the return of the Lord. That's where we are. This is the word of God for this time. Fourth, I want to say this is not about being legalistic. This is calling us to the highest to become fully human. And I become a covenant keeper. I have not always been. I have been unfaithful to my wife. Number five, he is discipling us into the story of not how to get out of a marriage, but the story of the foundation of marriage, which is about creation and new creation. Number six, the ark of the kingdom is not headed toward polyamory, easy divorces, whatever, all of this. It's not headed there. It's headed in the opposite direction. The, we, the vision for the end times is the vision Jesus articulated. All right, and I want us to have some prayer time. I want to tell you a story as I close here. I heard a professor at Regent College several years ago tell this story. <clears throat> he said that at Oxford University right now in England, all the students there have to take one religion course, either politics in the Christian tradition or sexuality in the Christian tradition. So he is teaching this course, Sexuality in the Christian Tradition, to people who are unchurched, don't know the Bible, 
very bright people, illiterate biblically. He goes through, he starts where we started today. Chapter 1 of Genesis moves through all the way to Revelation. And he goes into the history of the tradition and the giants of history. Midway through the course, true story, not a preacher story. True story. A, a female student comes up to him and says, Professor, this is the best news I've ever heard. And he's thinking, that's a long time since I've heard anybody say that. And this is somebody that never heard of Jesus, never heard of Scripture. And so he said, well, well tell me what you mean. She said, the God that you're talking about, he creates naked bodies, celebrates creation, but he doesn't turn us loose to do anything we want. There's order. The celebration of the body in the Bible, this is not dirty. The dignity of women, co-equal with men. The place of lovemaking within a covenant marriage. And then lastly, the importance of family. Family. She didn't have any you know, parents divorced. She said, you know what? My boyfriend and I do not understand. We don't understand. I think I'm going to move out. Do you know where there's a church close to me? I need to know more about this. The good news of this, according to the professor, is that she followed through and she's a disciple of Jesus now. I find that just... Thank you so much. The professor said this, aren't we surprised at how somebody out there would see this as such good news? Is it not significant that an unchurched, biblically illiterate person, after really hearing what the Christians are saying, hearing the story that starts really earthy and wonderful, the creation, new creation story, says, this is the best news I have ever heard. But I want to tell you something. It should be no, no surprise. Because I want to go back and say this. The book of Mark begins this way. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. I want to say that again. Say it with me. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. One more time. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. What he said about marriage is just a little part of the good news. But how good. So, I'm run out of soap. We're finished here. We need to minister this into each other. Would you all stand and would the people praying for you please come? And also this morning, it's wonderful for you just to turn and pray with someone. God has been putting two words on my heart, two things on my heart for you to pray with somebody about. Either come, if you're up here and somebody's married. I think this becomes really easy, really quickly. It becomes about oughts and shoulds not about that.
I hope you will announce the kingdom to somebody. Somebody comes and says, I'm hurting, or just turn to somebody and say, the kingdom of God has come. Turn and believe the good news. And the second thing, help me to be teachable forever. Help me to be teachable forever. So just please come. If you don't come, just turn and pray those two things. And anything else, there may be other things you have that you need to pray for that are much more important this morning. Would you do that just while we while the music is played?